Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Business Consulting. Each week we chat with amazing guest experts all aimed at helping you grow your VA business. So sit back, grab a cuppa and tune in for a fun-filled episode. Welcome listeners to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for assistants. We are here today. It's the 13th of September. It's the first one that Joe and I are recording since our summer break. Now, I know there have been two episodes um, went live up to today, but we had those in our back pocket, ready to go after the summer break. So now we are live back to our batch recording, which is really a rather nice feeling, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice to be back and catch up with each other and catch up with all our listeners. How was your summer? Uh, well, my summer was a bit of a write-off, to be quite frank. Uh, I caught COVID. Um, I had very big plans for the month of August, which is usually a quiet month work-wise, training-wise. I had a very busy July. And I was looking forward to a new program that I have in the planning. Uh, I've started to record some of the content for that pre-August. Uh, our kids came to stay uh, and then we caught COVID. Now, we didn't catch it from them. They actually caught it from us, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but we were quite not very well. And uh, I am six weeks on now since catching it. I, caught, I, I came down with it the week of the 3rd of August. That was when I manifested symptoms. And I'm only just now, and it's the 13th of September, beginning to feel like my normal self. Uh, I have to pace myself a lot more. I've been very tired. So it was a bit of a washout, although very, very hot my summer. What about mm. you? You went on holiday. Uh, yeah, I had 10 days in a little town called Sedbra. And if you turn left out of the town, um, you end up in Cumbria in the Lake District. If you turn right, you go on the tour to Yorkshire route. Mm. And um, on the way up, we met up with my sister for lunch and we left the lunch, dropped my dad back home and I got to Sedbra and there was a message from her saying, we've all got COVID. And they'd had a positive test since we'd had the, the lunch. So... Um, we were very lucky that we were miles, kind of miles from anywhere. You, you could kind of walk out of your back door and um, you could just be on a mountain and there was just nobody around. <laughs> so we were OK until we got tested and, and that was OK. But one thing we did find that I've always taken for granted here in London, getting shopping delivered but it was just a bit tricky but we got through it we're all well and it was lovely and um the kids are back in school <laughs> the kids are back in school you have to say it louder or our listeners can't hear you the kids are back in school so i'm yes. sure everybody's singing that at the moment <laughs> i'm sure everyone's singing that at the moment yeah so yeah so it, no it's it's good and um and i'm glad we took the decision to have a summer break for the podcast yes. as well because it's given us a little bit of a breathing space we yeah. now have guests booked uh, right through October and November, we've got podcasts that we will be able to schedule right up to Christmas now, which is 
really rather a nice feeling because yeah. there's nothing worse than than uh, having to chase people do you want to be on my podcast please <laughs> come on my podcast <laughs> Um, and and we are getting approached, which is really lovely. And uh, listeners, if you'd like to be on the podcast, even though we have enough till December, there's next year to go, do yeah. let us know if uh, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast page. There is a sign up form. So now that we know that we've both not done a huge amount of work related to anything <laughs> over the summer, um, let's 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 turn our thoughts to our episode today. Today we are in conversation with Sarah Wisniewski. I think I said yes, it right. Yes, that's it. I think I so. said it. Um, we actually interviewed Sarah just before we recording this intro segment. You can tell it's our first day back. We've got ourselves in a right model about what we're doing <laughs> when. Um, but. You know, we're human and fallible, just like anybody else. So, uh, you know, not not everything is perfect all the time. So, um, Sarah, this interview is a fantastic interview. It does cover some messaging that you may well have heard before. Uh, you will have heard it in a different way. You'll have heard it presented differently. But you may not have been in the right place to act on what you're going to hear. And I think that comes through towards the end of our chat, that where we talk about being in the right place to hear a message is just as important as the message itself. So without any further ado, we are going to make way for Sarah Wisniewski. Welcome back, listeners. And now we have with us the lovely Sarah now, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to ask you, are you Sarah or Sarah? Because I'm, I'm Sarah. Sarah. I'm Sarah. Sarah, yes. And can you pronounce your surname for me? Please? So it's Wisniewski. Nowhere Wisniewski. near as difficult as it looks. Wisniewski. Wisniewski. So we have Sarah Wisniewski with us, um, who is all about helping mums who are coaches grow and run their businesses, which is phenomenal. And um, Sarah, before we launch into anything that we're going to talk about, that like the meat of the episode what what tell our listeners a bit about your background how you where you started from and how you got to where you are okay well firstly thank you Shelley Joe, for having me here it's lovely to be here um, so yeah my, my story isn't necessarily a linear one I wasn't one of those individuals that that said from the start I'd love to own my own business and um, I was in a sort of waiting some people say they're always waiting for the opportunity actually I feel as though my business sort of found me so I spent 20 years in corporate in lots of different roles doing what was, I guess, the, the obvious route. I'd left university, went into a big organisation and wound myself up and through there. Had two children um, and really went, went straight back to work and found how different it was working as a mum as opposed to a, a non-mum, particularly as I travelled a lot as well. And I got through my first four years, okay, or what my first, um, after my maternity leave, and then I had another child, and that just brought a whole different, different set of challenges. And at the same time, I'd reached that point where I couldn't progress any further in my corporate career without having to be away a lot, lot more. So I took a decision and left, and I left without having anything else to go to, which was a bit of a brave um, bit of a brave move because I was I was a senior manager by that stage, uh, enjoying everything that that brings along with it. So I took stock. I took time and I took stock, and I found that people approached me through my network to ask for help in things that was going on in their in their work life. 
So I did, I guess you could call it a little bit of consultancy with them, a little bit of one-to-one. And then eventually my friend, a non, non-work related friend said to me, so are you going to be a coach now? And I'd never even used the word. I'd, I'd coached, of course, now I know as part of my leadership role, but I'd never thought of it in the bits and pieces I was doing with people I thought were friends or they were referrals. So I, I sort of looked into the coaching industry. I looked at the, um, I guess, the, the, the field, the potential for that in my life and immediately thought, yes, this is definitely where I want to be going. Um, and the rest, I guess, is history in terms of how I shaped my business. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's something which I now feel like I'm at home in, you know, like a getting into a nice comfy pair of slippers or into an armchair this is now definitely what I was supposed to have done. I think, I think, I think that's the case for, for many entrepreneurs. I don't think every, you know, I certainly didn't start running my own business. I got a job as a trainer for a company. And after a few years realized I didn't want to be told what to do all the time. You have yes. to train these people on this day in this location. Uh, and I thought, no, I want to be in charge of how much or how little I do. Um, again, so left and, and and got going. So, and Joe, you also came out of corporate when you had children, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I came out of corporate. I went back for a little while after having the twins, but it, yeah, it just wasn't working. And so totally understand you all your sort of story and your experience yeah and I think a lot of our listeners will will really resonate with that too um because a lot of um if we look at the the, the assistant role overall is quite broad because you've got executive assistant and personal assistants and corporate done and then you've got virtual assistants who do the same job but they also run their own business and um you know it will resonate with a lot of virtual assistants who've come out of corporate to start their own business for the and flexibility you're right. And I think I think the recent changes to all of our lives through the COVID impact is 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 allowing us to stop in and almost check in again with what it is we want. And if we'd managed to work and continue to work from home, then going back into the office feels like a real pull, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm starting to speak to people now who have seen the other side of actually having that flexibility and just simply not traveling. I mean, you're adding it, what can easily be an hour's travel onto it at both ends of the day can really impact you. It ties you out more. You know, even in that hour, you can be emptying the dishwasher. You can be just doing some of that home stuff that if you're sat on a train or you're sat in the queuing traffic, you can't do. And, and I think, you know, we've, we've opened our eyes to the fact that there is, there is more, there is that alternative model than having to be sat at your desk from nine to five and, you just because you're there you're working you know there are other ways be it as an employee or as as a an entrepreneur running your own business yeah absolutely so that seeks us nice the youth i don't know anyway that leads us nicely in to uh, so what we want to talk about today which is how do you attract those clients that you want to work with and um sarah you have i know a, a three-step process or three actions that everyone needs to do and as we all need clients all the time, because clients don't always stay with you forever and ever and ever, so you always need new clients, I am all agog to hear what they are. <laughs> and and this, this really has been developed over the time I've both grown my own business and then supporting others to, to grow theirs, because 
as exactly as you say, clients are singly the lifeblood of any business and having a method that you can feel really comfortable doing because there are lots of people telling you about selling these processes you know do this if you do this 10 times a day then you're going to get clients if you do this then you'll get clients well that might work for them but you have to find a way that suits your personality so I guess that's the caveat that I'm going to put across all three of these steps right now that this is really around these are these are some of the steps but I want people to appreciate that they need to bring their personality and their own preferences into this process as well I'm not for a minute saying do follow this xyz to the letter and that's it you're going to be flooded you have to feel aligned with the way you're doing your your own marketing and bringing those clients in otherwise you're going to both attract people that aren't necessarily suited to you and you're just going to feel a bit strange and, and out of out of body in doing some of these things so your first step is understanding exactly who it is you want to work with. And it doesn't matter whether that is a, a, a kind of body of people or if it's one individual. What I always try and say is try and narrow it as closely as you possibly can down to a very, very small group of people. And the analogy that I love to, to bring this to life is imagine you've got a stadium full of people which when you've got social media in your hand, you effectively have at any one time. And there's all a total mix of people in that stadium. And you've got, you've got the stage and you're able to ask a certain number of those people to sit down because they're not your people. You're not being um, wrong in excluding them, but they're just not the people that you know that you can help at, at, at your best. So you might ask, I'd like the men to sit down because actually my preference is to work with women. So you start to, to, to lose those individuals. You might then say, I'm looking to work with people who run their own businesses. I'm looking for people who run their own businesses up to a certain size. I'm looking for people who are parents. I'm looking for people who provide a service-based business. I'm looking for people who do a product or a transactional business. So all of a sudden, all of these individuals who don't identify with that are out of the game. So when you've ended up with your stadium of people, you can then ask the, 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 the few that are left standing to all stand in a line. So you've got one person right at the front and all the rest are behind. Now, you know, they've got common ground now. So when you talk to the person right at the front of the line and you ask them then to pass the message on as to what you do, how you help people and how you can really make a difference in their life you know that that person you're talking to is going to be nodding like Joe's nodding now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going to be saying, I, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying to me. And then they're going to pass the message on to the next person and they're going to feel exactly the same because you've got that common ground. Now, when we stay in that generic, almost that sense of mind of, but I don't want to exclude anybody because I'm missing an opportunity, you become one size fits all. And anyone who remembers, I don't even know whether these even still exist. The, there was a period of time when you used to be able to buy a one size fits all pair of jeans. Yeah. Now that one size fits all pair of jeans would look awful on a 20 year old man and hideous on a 50 year old woman. It, it never does. It never suits yeah. any one person because one size never really truly does fit all. There's, there's also more competition if you're in that one size fits all bucket, yes. isn't there? Yeah. really and and um you know i'm sure you're going to say that but if you're sort of talking to a specific person they're more likely to buy from you but also it just because you're talking to that particular person or or client doesn't stop other people wanting to come and talk to you about 
your services either, does it? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You're right, Joe. And and I think what happens is is two things in that in that space. One is that if you're competing in that one size fits all, you end up with only one element which you can compete on, which is price. And then it's a race to the bottom because everybody will will start comparing one another. They'll undercut by 50p an hour or or they'll they'll try and add on freebies that that effectively still reduce the price overall. And it, it you're not demonstrating your value. Whereas if you operate in a place where you are the expert, you are the authority in your subject, because you only work with that one type of person, it immediately elevates you in everybody's mind to say they totally get their thing. Uh, if I had if I had the option to change my kitchen and I had no budget whatsoever, I would all day long go to somebody who was going to hand build me and handcraft everything out of the original pieces of wood to fit perfectly into yeah. my kitchen shape. I wouldn't go to a, you know, off the shelf, here's a kitchen out of a box type solution because we know we're going to get more. We, we're all automatically, if that person only serves that person, they're clearly an expert in what they do. But you're right. It doesn't stop others coming through referrals, just through finding you. And then it's down to you to decide. We're not saying that this is you forevermore. What we're saying is in your messaging, in your in the way that you present in your client attraction strategy, which you should have, this is how you're bringing people towards you because you're polarizing. So one person can say, they're not for me. Someone else can say, wow, expert in field, definitely want that person to work with me. Yeah. So once you've got your person in your line of people, that is who you keep in mind with all your messaging. So when you're writing a piece of copy to put into social media, when you're writing something onto your uh, website, when you're doing a blog, however it is you turn up, you keep that person in mind. I like the concept of even giving them a name and talking to them, yeah. that one person, because you can imagine how they wake up now on a Monday morning. How are they feeling? Are they uplifted? Are they struggling? And then you weave in how it is you're going to help them to their solution. I love that. I did an exercise many, well, quite a number of years ago now, um, called Needs, Likes, Wants, um, with uh, a good friend who was a marketer person. And I ended up with three ideal clients. And they each had a name. I had a Wendy. She was the senior executive in the IT department. Um, and I had Stacy, who was a PA in a big organization. And I had Lisa, who was a virtual assistant, serving her own clients. And although the broad messaging to each of them is similar, it's not the same. Mm. Um, so it does help to really narrow it down, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which leads me very nicely on to step two, which is the what. So we've done the who. Now we really need to understand the what. What is it that they're looking to achieve by you being in their life? What do they need to change? What's the outcome? Because when we talk about the detail and we get, particularly if you have a more technical or a complex solution that you support people with, what we're all really tempted to do is demonstrate our knowledge and our authority in our subject by frankly being a bit geeky about it <laughs> and telling them all about the detail of how you can solve their problem. But actually, they don't necessarily want to know the nuts and bolts of the the how they want to know what the end result is for them another great analogy to demonstrate this is um, in the personal training physical coaching uh, field so if you're somebody that 
helps a client lose weight, tone up, get fitter. If you told them that the process would be that they'd be weighing their food every day, they'd be weighing themselves every day, they would be achieving 10,000 steps as a minimum on a daily basis, they'd have to go to the gym three or four times a week, that they were going to have to work out to the point where they will look like a tomato and there's sweat (laughs) pouring off them. Suddenly that feels really unattractive. If you told them in their messaging that the outcome was going to be that the clothes that are hanging in their wardrobe that at the moment feel really uncomfortable or actually they just can't put on are suddenly going to feel great on them. They'll stand taller. They'll, they'll feel amazing when they walk into a room of people. And when they see that friend they've not seen for six months, they're going to take their breath away. That mm-hmm. outcome suddenly feels a whole lot more um, attractive than, than the process itself. But we, we're always tempted. We always do this. I see people selling programs, selling courses. It's the, it's the detail that they, they share as opposed to, well, what, what does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. It's not it's, even. It's, sorry, I was going to say, it's the what's in it for me. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? You know, when I, when I look at work, possibly working with you or whoever, it's like, well, what do I get from this? Yeah. I, I mean, yes, I can pay, pay you some money and you can do X, Y, Z for me, but what actually do I get at the end of the time? And that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, and, and knowing that person makes mm-hmm. a real difference to truly answering that question. Because in your in your example, Shelley, those three people, yeah. what Wendy wanted and, and is totally different to what Lisa wants. And you have to be really clear because do you know what? Sometimes the clients don't know. You know, we have to be able to create that that view for them and that picture of the other side and particularly for people that work with clients who might be in a a a disrupted emotional state they might be feeling that stress that just almost not being able to see beyond where they are at the moment by being able to paint that picture really graphically for them and and in a very day-to-day way it doesn't have to be high high high-end convoluted it might just simply be your day-to-day life can be easier you might feel happier when you get up on a morning you'll have a little bit more energy you won't snap at the children at the end of the school day very real and relatable Mm -hmm. things that that your solution is going to is going to make a difference to with just simply relieving stress from somebody makes a difference to not just them but their the people in, in in their surrounding life so what I what I always get my clients to do is is literally sit for a moment, being that person, imagining what their daily routine might look like at the moment while they're in a, a more struggle state or dark, as I call it. We we trans I, I encourage people to go from a dark position into a light. So then you're the solution that is the light. Well, what does that light look like? How does it feel now? What's the what is you know that that sort of relief that oh this feels better this feels good because I know I've got this person on my team or in my corner or I've I've just I've made that transformation and really painting the picture for them you've got to be super clear on that because if you can't paint that picture they won't have the faith in you that you understand what it is you're really truly selling and again gives gives you that elevated authority it makes you an expert in your field and and allows people to really trust you which is ultimately the aim. Yeah, absolutely. That's really valuable, really, really valuable. It just made me think, I, I have a, a new client starting on, on, on Sunday because where I live, Sunday is a regular working day. So we're, we're doing a training session on Sunday afternoon. It's all around Microsoft Teams. Uh, and she said to me, she said, you know, 
I've read your website and I've read your LinkedIn bio and I'm not, we had a call about it. And I know you're the right person to, to help me because it's all well written and it, and it spoke to her. Um, so it's really, you know, that, that really does back up what you're saying there. It really does make the decision to work with you that much easier. She yeah. Said, I know you're the right person. I can feel you're the right person. I mean, okay, fine. But yeah. It yeah, it's really, really nice. Also, when you get that feedback as well, so true. And 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 I I work predominantly. Well, my my job title is now a um, a sales strategy coach because I feel as though that's where when we start our own business we can end up feeling that that's that's lacking. So you could be an expert in your field in your um, your specialist area, but actually if you can't sell and and selling polarizes people. Some will say they love it more often women particularly will say it's something I shy away from and it tends to be because we've had a bad experience of being sold to and it's left us feeling like it's a negative experience therefore we don't want to make someone else feel the way that we were made to feel but actually the sales piece and and this this really highlights in in your experience Shelley with your new client it's the final final part it is it's not even the tip of the iceberg it's like it's like the crossing of the line on a marathon because it's, it shouldn't be, or if you're doing all the work in your, whatever is your sales process, be it on your sales page, be it your offer wording, be it a conversation you're having with a potential client, if all your work's being done then, you've not put the work into some of this part in the beginning, which means that it's tougher. You're almost pulling the person into the sale as opposed to just allowing it, making sure that you're a good fit and then saying, yeah, this can work and this is how it all works out. It's almost a a form filling in exercise really a sale closing genuine closing as opposed to starting from scratch building the trust that makes it tough and that's that's where people do tend to struggle with it yeah Um, and yeah that that's 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 really key I mean my my favorite ones have been where people have come to me and it's not like can you help us with this it's when can you when can you start when can you do this for us because because everything else up to that they, they've got that sense before we talk and then we have a chat and then they're sold uh, yeah. and that's that so the, the other thing that happens in that situation is they become a lot less price sensitive yes. their decision is nine tenths made it's almost then the the final stage of okay come on then and, and I've had every reaction you know having had those conversations with people that have, have been an incoming inquiry they say, right, I'm ready to work with you, but I really need to know the price. And, and, and it's, it's really interesting to gauge where they've, where they've sort of decided in their mind. And they've almost got this nervousness about you're going to be out of reach or and then you get one of two reactions. Either you get the, oh, heck, it's more than I expected or, oh, wow, I thought you were going to say loads more. Um, and, and again, you know, people people decide strategically whether or not to position their pricing publicly or not. And. I sometimes do, I sometimes don't. I'll put an offer out to say, let's let's talk about a solution and it ends up being a really bespoke solution for that person, in which case I can't cost it. No. Whereas other times I'll do a, a, an almost a package that I'm very open about what the cost is and what the outcomes are they're going to get. And there's, there's different strategies you can, you can use around that. Yeah, that's just so valuable, isn't it, Joe? I'm loving yeah, it. Yeah, hugely. I'm just absorbing it all. That's why I'm not saying much. <laughs> nodding, nodding. So what's so step three? Step three is the how. So this is where we kind of put it all together into something which we can then take out into the world. 
And as I said at the beginning, this how is so personal to you. And there are lots and lots of method. The, the amazing gift that we've all been given through the Internet and through social media is we can we can just shrink the world. You know, I can sit here in my in my office in Warwickshire and be conversing with somebody anywhere in the world. It is phenomenal. I'm building a business and and growing a client base now compared to what it must have been like 10, 15, 20 years ago you know, literally going out, knocking doors, handing business cards over, making phone calls, going through the going through a business directory. It's nothing like that now. And yet people will say, oh, it's a real struggle to show up. What, it's a struggle to show up and do like a 30-second video promoting yourself and touch thousands of people? It's phenomenal. But the key piece you've got to have had is those two. So there's a very strategic reason why we've done these in this order so once you know your who person you need to find out where they are because they are already congregating somewhere someone else has done that work for you and this is not about pinching any kind of intellectual property or going and stealing other people's clients we love communities and congregations be it because we all follow the same person on instagram because we have similar fields of followers and overlaps on linkedin because we're in social media groups on um, Facebook. We love congregating. We love congregating to talk about spider plants. That's one group that was suggested to me recently. I don't own a plant other than the one behind me, but yeah, Facebook decided that I should maybe start getting into spider plants. People are congregating because of their interest in spider plants. There is no end to it. So once you know your person, you need to go to where they are. There is no point, and I love your graphic with your frog, the way that I describe it is if you don't go out into the world to where they're congregating, it is like being in your house with all the windows closed and shouting with a megaphone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what is the point? So you need to get your metaphorical sandwich board on and you need to walk the streets of social media. But you go to where you know they are. There is no point in just shouting into the wind because that's both a waste of your time and effort. Go to where they are. Now, this is the bit where people say, yeah, but how do I find that out? Well, you know your person. We've established that. We've really established who that person is. So go to where they are. What what brings them together? What's drawing them to want to find out more information? Are they following people that they believe they can learn from? And then when you know where they are, you go and you share your knowledge. You don't go with an agenda of, are they going to be my client? Oh, can can I pinch them? Can I pinch them? Go and do your thing because you're an expert in what you do. And the more we share, the more we give out. Therefore, the more we we will be rewarded. There's a great um, visual of this that that I I saw talked through where there's there's a a pot with um, a spout at the top and then another smaller pot that comes off it. And as they were talking through it, they labeled it. So it it was almost quite difficult to understand what it was. The big pot is the serving pot. And we all have to fill up our serving pot first. And as we fill our serving pot up with energy, water, reciprocation, whatever you want to call it, it eventually gets to the spout, which tips over, and then your reward pot can fill. What you can't do is try and fill your reward pot by asking people to pay you unless you've served first. And we so often when we start our own business, and I was totally guilty of this, I believed that I should be rewarded and then I would become successful. You need to be successful first. You need to be that person before you'll then earn the reward. And there's cases and cases of this where it's true. The classic is Jim Carrey. 
you know, a multi-million pound actor now. He was, he was virtually bankrupt, absolutely on the breadline, working for nothing, just to trying to get some deals, working, 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 before he finally got his break. And he became successful and then re rewarded for it. And he famously wrote himself a million pound check, future dating it, popped it in his pocket and said, right, that's, that's my intention. I need to become successful and then I'll be able to cash that check. So we have to, we have to use that and wear that in our social media context as well. So go and go and give before you're expecting that reward, because there's a totally different energy behind that, you know, going and, and share is, is going to help people will get you referrals will get you known you'll become that person who isn't that aggressively salesy oh I can't get into a conversation with them because they're just going to sell to me and through sharing your content through sharing your message with your people when you know where they're congregating you can then get to the point where when you're ready you can make an offer but you don't have to start with your offer start with sharing Make your offer and make sure that it aligns with the people that you know need to hear and then let them come, allow them to come. Yes, there's strategies you should have in place, but don't, don't do it from a, I'm going to find a client and this has to work, this has to work, because that's a real needy, mm. um, it, and it's repelling, a needy energy is repelling, isn't it? Yeah. Totally, totally. Going into a meeting and feeling, you, you, I, I, I remember one day where I went to see when I had face-to-face -face training company and was going about training in-house for whoever it was. And I think there was one day where I saw two brand new clients and it's totally down to the energy that you take into that meeting with you. Yeah. One I got and one I didn't got. I didn't got. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking about it afterwards. And, and it's about the way that you ask for the business and yeah. what you say before and, and, and all the rest of it. And that's, that's so true. So, so true. Yeah, it is. And there's, there's 101 ways, probably, well, there's thousands of ways that you can, you can share your message. And what I always say is do what feels good to you. So if you like doing 30 second, 15 second reels where you're dancing and you're pointing and you're doing all of that, if you like that and that really fires you and you can genuinely put a big smile on your face and have a dance round to some music and send your message, do that, do that. If you love doing lives and sharing your message by using video, do that. If you hate lives and dancing around and pointing, but you love to write, then write, write lots, mm. write everywhere, pop things mm. on blogs, do emails, you know, ask to be featured as a writer somewhere else. If you like speaking, do a podcast, go on people's podcasts, you know, find what's your thing that allows you to be you. And again, coming back to that energy allows your energy just to shine through. Because if I was to go and do a reel, I would just look like a Wally and I'd feel like yeah. a Wally. And yeah. therefore, you would watch me and go, she feels like a Wally. And now mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable watching her. We've all stood and watched people um, present in some way because they have to. And they feel uncomfortable. And yeah. it's horrible, isn't it? Our yeah. own toes curl in our shoes. Yeah. And we just, we just want the earth to open up and swallow them on their behalf. It, and it's no it, different through social media. Yeah. Yeah, I was also going to just add into there, Sarah, it's not just about you delivering it feels uncomfortable, but if doing all of the, the jiggy dancing doesn't correlate to your business message and appeal to your 
client or your your ideal person that we're trying to sell to they might not see you in the way that you want to be perceived and it's just because lots of people are doing the, the reels and the dancing and all that kind of stuff it doesn't mean to say that you have to do that particularly not if that's not where your client market is because yeah. there's that element of it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a real happy medium, I think, Joe. but you've hit the nail on the head. You have to go to where your clients are and be right for them, but it has to be right for you as well. But yeah. there's, there's so few occasions when people have come to me and said, well, I really want to serve um, 15 to 18-year-olds. I know they're all on TikTok, but I hate TikTok. You, you tend not to. It's almost yeah. you, you're, you have a natural affiliation connection with those that you want to serve so it it will tend to work but yeah just checking in that what it is you're passionately um your your preference is to do the reels to do the tiktok is that where your your ideal clients are but it might be that your ideal clients are so niche that they are but they're, they're, they're low in numbers yeah. so i i connected with a, um, an accountant over the last 18 months who is the most non-accountancy person you, you'll ever met and that's why I really liked them because I'm not um I'm not particularly mathematical I yes I've got a good commercial background to, to my um kind of expertise but I didn't want uh, one of the sort of traditional stuffy accountant people because I f- didn't feel like I'd be able to talk to them so the mm-hmm. way that she was marketing herself although it was a uh, what's traditionally considered quite a straight lace type of subject she was yeah. doing funky little videos and sharing all sorts of of um content-based stuff but in a really fun way so you know that you can blend it but absolutely yeah. go to where they are and show up how you want to show up because really truly that's the way you'll you'll be able to keep the consistency because the piece with this final step is it's not going to happen overnight. It won't just be one. You're going to have to include a client attraction element to your to your everyday work, pretty much. And when people start and they, they work with me to, to really start to build their businesses, I tend to say you'll be about 70% marketing to begin with. And that when someone first told me that was such a shock. And I was quite cross about that. <laughs> I thought I'd just open my business. I'd create a website, tell people what I do, open the doors and then the people would come. So to learn that I had to actually really go all out and market myself, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to help people. I just want to serve. I want to do the thing that really lights me up. So it's finding something that's okay to do because that's the only way you'll you'll be able to to stick at it and do it a lot. And I think then the, the, the final, final, when you really get down to it is you need to know what works. So some element of recording, some tracking. Once you find that thing that does work, you want to know you can repeat it as opposed to almost sort of blasting lots and lots of things. And then clients come and you go, well, where did they come from? Was that that method or that method or that method? You you want to ultimately be almost sort of testing a, a variety, but then narrowing down. And it might be simply that you can see that particular area gets more engagement that works on that platform, but not on that platform. Tracking's the only way, which can feel a little bit dull, but you want to be able to really hone it. So actually your marketing becomes a lot less of your time, but it's really effective when you do it. 
interesting because Joe and I were talking before um, about tracking. We, 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 we are at a loss <laughs> as to how to track how successful the podcast is, apart mm. from I can obviously see who listens, well, not who listens to it, I don't know which people have listened to it, but I know how many downloads it gets a week, how many downloads overall, but neither of us have got any idea of what business it may or may not have generated for us over the just over a year it's been going. So it's that's, it's a really good point that you make. I'm not sure how to do that, apart from asking, where did you hear about us? But But we're all over the place, so people could have heard about us in many places and I think that's a very important point as well that if you're doing what you're saying and you're out there and in your you're in the one two three four however many locations it is where your people are um they will hear your message from many different and it the consistency yeah. helps doesn't it so they might not necessarily say well I came from Twitter or I came from Facebook well they might come from all of them you just yeah. have to keep doing it you do you do and and again it's being realistic about what you can achieve because the temptation sometimes is i need to be everywhere because then i'm covering all bases but that again is is almost it's what many will describe as spaghetti marketing it's just kind of flinging things around and hoping that you'll you'll find your way again early days i always recommend to my clients they have one dominant platform and then maybe they add a second and particularly where you've got things like Instagram and Facebook where they actually match up and you can you can kind of be on both without really needing to add too much work. But knowing where your client is and where you want to turn up, concentrate on just getting that one right first. Then when you're at the stage where your methodology is sound and that you can repeat it, then you can tweak it for the different platforms because they, they do have a subtly different approach. Your messaging on LinkedIn should, I believe, be different to that on Facebook. Absolutely. And trying to be all of those things across all of those platforms is spreading yourself really thin. Just, just nailing the one, getting your process right. And, and once you've got that flow of clients, ultimately, what I advocate is creating yourself as a CEO, not the doer. So when you're doing it yourself, you're building your strategy to get it right, to then hand it off to somebody else to a virtual assistant yeah. so that actually your assistant in your assistant business is doing the doing maybe in a specialist platform there and then somebody else does it on that specialist platform which is slightly different so it's not about you doing all the things perpetually and forever it's you defining that strategy getting it to the place where it can be handed off and then you can move to the next platform and the next platform yeah. but that comes in time spreading yourself too thin is is where you can't necessarily be truly consistent. And then you get frustrated and downhearted, disheartened, and, and you won't see the results. I think that's a really important point, actually, about um, figuring out what your system is, in a way, so that you can package it up and, and hand it over for somebody else to do what to you is the grunt work, but for them is what they really love doing. So again, coming back to the podcast as a case in point, um, I've now outsourced most of the admin for the podcast because I was doing it all at the beginning, you know, because I can. Um, but until I figured out what that process was and figured out how much time it was taking me away from my income generating activities, which, you know, I wrote a, in my newsletter last week was all about income generating activity. It's really important. 
And, um, and so I've now got a system where somebody does the web page, somebody does the editing, and, and it, it now gets done. We do the recording and then it gets handed on. Mm. Um, but that doesn't happen, like you said before, with working out anything. It doesn't happen overnight. No, and, and I do. I do genuinely believe there's there's a lot to be said for defining your strategy yourself. Yeah, I I fell into this trap early days. I brought in somebody to help me with some social media and some Facebook advertising. Paid them a lot of money mm. to create a, I guess a system because it then went into a funnel and yeah. there was automation and all sorts of things built built behind it. But I hadn't defined it first, so. I also didn't understand it. Um, so when I wanted to question or query something, I couldn't really unpick it until I'd I actually stopped working with them, dedicated the time I needed to now understand what they built, tweak it, change it, change the messaging, and then go. So I, I always say you should learn to do something yourself yeah. as best you can. I'm not for a minute saying you go out and you do multiple courses and become an expert in that thing. But understand it to the point where you know what you're handing off and that first yeah. conversation yeah. I had was I think I want to advertise <laughs> uh please can please can I advertise to get uh, get me more clients through advertising was probably the brief I gave them um whereas doing it yourself to that point of understanding allows for a much more strategic conversation with them as yeah, well yeah. um and and you'll have better respect both ways I believe yeah. um but yeah, that, that comes, that comes a point. I mean, when we first start, we're always everything, aren't we? We're, we're admin, we're CEO, we're marketing, we're serving. And, and gradually it's about finding which pieces can package really nicely as a, as a standalone and give that to an expert. Then they'll be quicker. They'll be slicker. They'll have the perhaps expert knowledge to be able to enhance what you've already done, but at least you understand what it is they're doing yeah. for you. Yeah. I, I often say I, I think you can't ask somebody to do something if you don't understand what you want them to, what you are asking yeah. them to do. You know, it's like giving somebody some work to do and then, yeah, that's not going to take them very long. Um, but in reality, you know, that could be a two hour job and you think it should take half an hour. But unless you've done it yourself yeah. first, you will be still mistakenly thinking it should only take half an hour when, when in reality, maybe it's somewhere in between. But but yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in, in, in you should know before you hand over, just so that you can, what's the give clear instructions? Like you yeah. said, uh, give a good brief. Mm. Give a yeah. good brief. You, yeah. you mentioned video and reels. I'm kind of still reeling about reels, not really sure what they are, but never mind. I'm on Instagram, Shelley.Fishall on Instagram. You can follow me there as well. But um, so, but, but a lot of people shy away from video. Um, I clearly don't because I'm used to being in front of people. Um, Joe, you, you don't do a lot of video, do you? <laughs> for, those oh, who are for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, Joe just pulled a lemon face, I'd call it. Yes. And I, I, think video, I think video is great because it gets your personality out there. What's your take on that, Sarah? Well, we could cover an entire different <laughs> podcast on the benefits of video and I literally have, have presented uh, a masterclass not, not too long ago on both the benefits of going live and um, a process of going live. Um, yeah, I can't rave about video enough. Um, similar to you, I guess I've been lucky enough 
uh, I know I don't really necessarily like using that word, but I've been comfortable with video because I used to present quite a lot um, and got used to speaking in front of people. But it's really interesting the, the difference in how I show up on my live video now compared to when I started. And I, if I look back at effectively corporate Sarah presenting on a Facebook Live, it was I'd virtually got suited and booted. Yeah, and I, I used to present to... Um, conferences to board directors so I, I and, and I was trained very formally to stand up and present literally physically stand up and present so I brought all of that into my Facebook lives and I was very formal and very kind of precise and never colloquial and I would never mention anything about my kind of personal life or my personality there's a balance I think we have to be genuinely ourselves as much as we can and allow ourselves to be that yeah. but it is really nerve-wracking um it's one of those that that exposes us. It, 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 we fear that our brain might not keep up quick enough with our with our mouth, and we won't know what to say. But do you know why that happens? Why we fear video? It's because we are truly having to be ourselves in every sense, yeah. and that's what people want to connect with. There's far too much scripted, um, staged. You know, we, we, we are watching people on social media using auto cues and making them look like impromptu. Really? Yeah. You can use those. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then they are making them look like impromptu lives, but they are, they are auto-cued. There are people that have got, you know, way, way, way amounts of success from attempting to be natural, but they've been scripted to be natural because, you know, they're just not. They can't present comfortably. So whatever you see can feel natural, but it actually, you know, it isn't. They're just very wow, good at the way they've, they've done it. So, yeah. you know, we, by you, the beauty of using live video is that when you do turn off and be totally authentic, unscripted, maybe have a couple of notes just to, to kind of keep you on track, you are immediately much more likable and connectable to your yeah. person. And, there is nothing quicker to be able to see somebody, to look at their eyes, to hear their accent, to watch how they move when they speak, to hear their enthusiasm, all of those things. It, it, it's multiple times quicker to make a connection with somebody yeah. on a video than it is on a, a written post. Yeah. Even I, voice, you know, voice is yeah. huge. If someone uh, sends an inquiry to me, I will voice note them back immediately. I'll just literally reply to their their message in messenger and record a voice note hi great to meet you you know my name's sarah get the pronunciation for them get that done get that out of the way it's really nice to connect with you and the amount of messages that i will then get back and go it's so wow. nice to hear your voice it really it makes a huge huge difference wow. yeah yeah i i uh, i hate scripting and i have as my listeners know, our listeners know, um, a range of online pre-recorded courses all around Microsoft Office topics. I don't script anything. And, you know, you hear all my scenarios when they happen or when I make mistakes, I don't edit the mistakes out because I make mistakes like anybody would make a mistake. Mm. Oh, I didn't mean to click that cell in Excel. I should have been that one. And people need to, I, I believe people need to see that and they need to see the real person um, who is, presenting or who they've paid their money to in this case if they're taking one of my courses and I'm always in I don't do these uh talk over ones I'm always there in the picture because I think it's it helps people connect 
um, they're more likely to then go on and buy another course from me if the one they've had works and they need something else. But I think I think I think video is is hugely important, and and I think we are so fortunate or lucky um, in the age we live in because five years ago we couldn't have done any of this. Yeah. Even even five years ago we wouldn't have been recording this podcast this way. Uh, we wouldn't have been doing. We most people wouldn't have had the equipment um, no. to do it. And you know the, the platforms that have sprung up. Um, I, I just think it, it's amazing, Sarah. It's been an absolutely fabulous chat. I'm not going to say interview. Yes. No, and, and so so much for all of us to take away from that. So thank you. Yeah, and even if our listeners have heard the same message, um, I know for myself, I have heard marketing messages, sales messages, this is one thing you could do, this is something you could do, you need this, you need that, you need the other. I've been in business for a long time now. Sometimes you need to hear it so many times and in so many different ways before you act upon it Um, because all the other ways and all the other times didn't speak to you. Uh, and that particular person speaks to you. Yeah. And um, and I'm sure that you'll be speaking to lots of our listeners today and they'll all be scribbling their notes away. And okay. nodding, just like I am, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the idea. And, and like you say, I think, I think sometimes we only hear the message when we're ready to. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a huge amount of information, there's a huge amount of knowledge out there, and we can be constantly attempting to fill ourselves up. And, and a proportion of it goes in. But as you say, sometimes just something clicks and it's it's explained in a way that makes you go, OK, I get that now. And I can go and act on it because learning without acting is is pointless. It's just, you know, you need to put that into place and adapt it for however you're you're going to be growing your business and attracting the people that you want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, listeners, Sarah's contact details will be on the Web page that goes with the podcast. This episode is going to be aired on the, I'm just looking at my spreadsheet on my other monitor for those watching on YouTube. Um, On the 20th of September, we are recording it. Today is the 13th of September. So this is actually being recorded very close to when it goes out, which is unusual for us, but needs must. And uh, we look forward to welcoming you. And maybe we'll do another podcast, Sarah, all about video. Yeah, it'd be a pleasure to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what would be lovely. So thank you ever so much. Welcome back, listeners. And I'm sure, Joe. what do you think? It was a fantastic interview, wasn't it? It it was a fantastic interview. Some of those messages we may all have heard before, but I think Sarah was so fresh with them. She's given us different perspective. And I don't know about you, Shelley, but I'm going to have another think because she's she's really made me think again about all the things that I think about. Who knows? Who <laughs> said video, ladies and gentlemen? Video is what Joe said. <laughs> she really hates the medium. But you're on video now, sis. You're going to get good at this. You get good at I'm, this. I'm getting better. I'm getting, getting better. better. You're getting better. And I think maybe we will have Sarah back. Uh, for an yeah. episode so listeners do tell us on the virtually amazing facebook page if you'd like us to have another episode on video and how to be confident on video that would be really useful i know a few people that we could actually have on to talk about that so we could uh, possibly do a, a group 
pocket cups, maybe. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's something a bit different. But but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, I, we discussed really what we were talking about today was marketing yeah. and yeah. knowing who you're marketing to, knowing what you're marketing and knowing how to do it. That was basically yeah. the three steps. Yeah. And I think, um, I know certainly from my own experience, as I said, when we were chatting with Sarah, there are times where you hear a message, um, but you never act on it because it's not the right time for you yeah. at that moment. Your, your business isn't where it needs to be for yeah. you to take that next step. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And why it's important for us to always be reinforcing these messages and going back to the drawing board quite frequently to see what else do we need to do yeah. to uh, make our businesses as successful as they think can be. The other thing that I will take away is, is the revisiting the idea that you don't have to be on every platform at every moment at all the time and doing all the things all the time because you think about, you know, what does my client want, think, need? Is this the right platform to deliver what they want to see, want to hear? And is this where they're going to hear it? So don't be afraid to sort of say, I don't do Insta or I don't do Facebook or I don't do Twitter because if your people don't hang out there, it's, you know, and you're hanging out there, you're not going to get that message to them, are you? Yeah, exactly. Now, I am a, a very, very, very early Twitter adopter. I adopted Twitter in 2007. It had been going not very long at all. Uh, I don't know if you came across or remember a lovely guy called Mark Shaw. Um, he was the first real Twitter kind of guru in the UK, and he did a competition. He wrote a, a, an ebook called um, Twitter is not just for lunch or something. Twitter is not just about cheese sandwiches. That's what it was called. You know, the idea of people just tweeting what they just had for lunch. Um, and I was lucky enough to win a competition and won an hour, hour of his time, which became about three. We, we met up in a, a Costa coffee shop in Barnet and he was just so generous with his time. And but the other platforms weren't there at that time. Facebook wasn't there, Insta wasn't there. LinkedIn was only just in its real infancy. I'm one of the first million users of LinkedIn as well. I, I've been there, done that quite a lot. Um, and what I do know is that I did get business through Twitter at the beginning, um, less so now, but I still feel that I need to have a presence there because the corporate side of the people that I work with are generally on Twitter. They're on Twitter and LinkedIn. So I need to be on both those platforms, more LinkedIn than Twitter, if I'm honest. Um, and the, the, the virtual assistants and the freelance assistants, whatever kind of assistant they are, they tend to hang out on Facebook and Insta and LinkedIn. So I kind of am on all of the platforms um, but what um, what Sarah was saying was the different message for yeah. each needs does need to be skewed a bit. And I'm going to definitely take that away and give that some thought because I think I'm as guilty as I'm sure many others of just posting one message and it goes out at different times, but to all the platforms. That's so, right. Because it's easy to do that, isn't it? It's really easy to do yeah. that. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think a little bit back to the drawing board there for me on my social media but i outsource mine 
So mm. I don't feel as if I'm doing it so much. Mm. I, I definitely agree with that because I think it's one of the things that I'm guilty of. You, you have a scheduling tool, you write your, uh, and, and then you copy and paste it onto your Insta feed yeah. schedule and, uh, and all of those things, rather than thinking what should be the message on for that that element of my audience on Insta versus LinkedIn and, and is it the tone is it the delivery is it you know yeah. the imaging perhaps yeah um, and some of the time it can be the same and there's no harm in it being the yeah same. absolutely but uh, but but I think every so often it shouldn't be the same and I think Sarah was really good at bringing that out uh, certainly something I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to to look at don't know when but I will look at it <laughs> just add it to the list I'll add it to the list. I'll add it to the list. So, Joe, what have you got on for the rest of today? Apart from we are going to be recording another podcast episode this afternoon. So, um, I'm going to be having a look at a quotation for um, setting up somebody's pipe drive account. Um, I have an appointment with somebody to talk about cyber essential, which is um, an interesting accreditation that sort of sits alongside. Um, GDPR for slightly bigger companies. Yeah, and um, I've got an inbox that <laughs> needs dealing with. Needs yes. dealing with. Yes, yes, yes. Now I did manage to keep, even though I wasn't well. The one thing I did keep on top of was 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 email because you can do that from your phone or laptop or yes. desktop or, or, or wherever. So we have, we are recording another episode this afternoon. I won't be doing much else today. Um, I'm learning not to overcrowd my diary as much as I used to. So uh, it's half past 12 now here, so I'm going to be hopping over to have some, some lunch shortly uh, and then coming back fresh to record our afternoon episode. But then I've got quite a busy day tomorrow. Tomorrow we're also recording two episodes. Um, I have a doctor's appointment before that. And then in the evening, I'm delivering an Excel webinar. So and that's just been confirmed in the break between recording with Sarah and us coming back online. So that's uh, Advanced Excel Techniques for Smart Events International. So that's tomorrow night. So that's going to keep me busy. And then Wednesday this week, we have um, this this week is Yom Kippur in the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement, which starts on Wednesday evening. Uh, and last 24 hours through Thursday evening. And that's a 25 hour fast where we fast, we don't drink, we don't eat, we don't do anything. We spend a lot of time praying. And we don't pray just for ourselves, we pray for the world. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's the, the holiest day. It's the day when the, the gates are closed. So if any of you follow me on Facebook or have seen any of my posts on social media, you'll see I'll, I had mentioned Shana Tava, which is Happy New Year, and may we be inscribed in the Book of Life. Uh, and the reason for that is because we believe that um, God opens the Book of Life on the eve of the New Year, Erev Rosh Hashanah, uh, which was last week. Uh, and there's a 10-day period, and it closes at the eve of when Yom Kippur finishes. And you've got those 10 days of repentance, which is what they're known as, to really look at what you've been up to in the past year. How's your behavior been? Have you done all the charitable acts you could, should, would, all those things have done? Have you treated your family as well? Have you interacted with strangers? Your business dealings being honest? All of you, you look at all of that um, and then work out 
what you can do better next year. Mm -hmm. So you can actually change. We really believe you can change the decree. So if a bad decree, um, you know, if you've been, let's just make it simple. If you've been a really naughty boy or a really naughty girl (laughs) and you shouldn't be here anymore, you can change that by your attitude uh, in those 10 days of repentance. So it's quite an auspicious, busy week. Um, Apart from that, I really don't like fasting. I don't think anybody does, but it doesn't suit me. So I will most likely be at home most of Thursday. I I may not get there off, but it's a 20-minute walk there and back, and it's 29, 30 degrees. So I I think I might just stay here in the air conditioning. But uh, apart from that, on Wednesday morning, uh, I have a session for ES Tech, which is a pre-recorded session. Uh, but I, I'm going to join that to be in the chat part of that to answer questions that come up. So quite a packed week, actually. Uh, wasn't intentionally so, but that's how my life goes. What can I do? Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah nothing in the diary for Friday, and it's going to stay that way. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's me for this week. So, Joe, we are going to hook up again later this afternoon yep. to record our next week's podcast episode. So listeners, thank you once again for listening to us, waffle about all things whatever. And uh, as ever, Facebook, you'll find Virtually Amazing, the podcast on Facebook. You'll find it, the podcast page on Tomorrow's VA, the website. The podcast itself is on all good podcast players. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're we're, we're everywhere. Um, Do say hello. Please tell us what you're enjoying about the podcast. If you listen on an iPhone, if you're an Apple user, please leave us a review. It helps other people find us and also validates what we're doing. And we all like a bit of validation and feedback, don't we? Yeah, we do. It's always good to get feedback. So we'd love to hear from you. What are we doing well? What could we do better? Is there anything you'd like us to talk about or guests that you'd like us to have? Uh, let us know because if you don't tell us we can't do anything about it mm-hmm. and on that note I think I'm going to say ta-ta for now and see you next week you have been listening to Virtually Amazing the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti we will be back with you again next week with yet another amazing episode see you then <laughs>